Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoyk. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Books. Hopefully everyone is enjoying this start to spring. Anna, you know, it's the beginning of May coming up tomorrow. It's May the 4th, which many people refer to as Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. So I wanted to know, are you a Star Wars fan? I am. It's kind of, I have a weird pathway when it comes to Star Wars. Like I, I was a child of the 70s and I didn't watch them when they first came out. But now that I have children, I have been kind of reintroduced to them. And the my favorite is probably Rogue One, which is really kind of a standalone well it's not a standalone but you know what i mean do you know what i mean i think i know what you mean i love i love all the star wars movies except for the ones that have jar jar binks in them because that character makes no sense to me do you have a favorite character i do i think i like han solo the best he's a good guy don't you think he had a child in in one of the movies i believe right yes and his child did him in I don't yes. want to give anything away to anybody. Yeah, who hasn't spoiler seen, alert. <laughs> anyone who hasn't seen the movies yet. Actually, you know what? I think my favorite, well, I don't know if he's my favorite character, but my favorite actor is Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. I could watch him all day. That's Han's son, right? That's Han's son who does him in. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I do think, I thought it was pretty interesting, though, if you think about it, right? Like those movies came out in the 70s. Three movies, they were huge blockbusters. And then, what was it, 20, 20, 25 years later, they kind of uh, reinvented the whole thing, went back and did the prequels. Maybe that was 20 years later? No, because I think it was in the 90s. So, yeah, probably 20, 25 years later, they re-released New Hope. And that was the first time I saw that, that that what people think of as the first Star Wars, which is actually number four. The mistake that we made with our son with Star Wars is that when we wanted him to watch Star Wars, we should have shown him the three original ones first and then gone back. So, you know, he he was like me shaking his head at Jar Jar Binks. So he never really got into Star Wars. No, I think that was a mistake. You should have started out with A New Hope. It's not for everybody. I mean, most people like it. Just like, I mean, think about it. Most people in the world like Harry Potter, but there are people out there who are not big Harry Potter fans or who haven't read the books or seen the movies. You know, every one of these big franchises has some people who just never catch on. And speaking of things that catch on, Anna, our author guest on this episode is Lisa Scottolini, who has written a myriad of books. There's some mystery, there's some fiction. She writes some books with her daughter. And we talked to her about her new book that she has coming out that just came out recently called Loyalty. And then our staff guest is someone that we work with at the Hopewell branch, Kathy Merzena. Both guests very enthusiastic. And we'll be back to talk to the first of those two when we speak with Kathy Merzena. Welcome 
Welcome to the segment of Behind the Books, where we take the time to talk with a staff member from the Mercer County Library System. Today, we are talking with Kathy Merzena, who works in the Circulation Department at the Hopewell Branch. Kathy, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with us. My pleasure. Just in full disclosure, I think our listeners know that Bob and I are from the Hopewell Branch as well. And we are on pins and needles to talk to you. Tell us kind of what some of your um, primary responsibilities at the branch are. So as you mentioned, I am at the circulation uh, desk. And so I have a chance to greet patrons and interact with them and help them to connect with books. And uh, but then I also get involved in developing um, displays for the library and uh, I do a daily display for the circulation desk and that's a lot of fun um, and just gets people topic, talking about topics and getting them excited about uh, different books that maybe they hadn't been exposed to and I enjoy, uh, I, I help with a book club. I am a co-leader for this book club with uh, another one of our staff members, Shannon, and we work with fourth and fifth graders. And that's been really exciting being involved. And then I work with Anna on um, some outreach and some special projects that the library has, like things like the trashed art contest that's just been going on and the photography contest that we had earlier this year. Kathy, you mentioned some of the displays and one of the things that you and Shannon started was we have a little display case in front of our circulation desk and you guys started an I spy which has really been well received by the patrons and especially the youngsters what what was the impetus behind that and is it that's something that you guys are good, able to come up with a new idea every month yeah so every every month we create a a new themed display in the case and um, it is just filled with all different kinds of objects and books and um, things that uh, have a theme usually like uh, this this past month we did a transportation theme uh, this month we're doing a spring theme we have a star wars theme coming up <laughs> and um so then we set it up for a month at a time, and then we have uh, a little list of things that the kids have to look for each week um, within the display, and uh, the list changes weekly. And so the kids, the kids and parents get really excited about it because they come in and it's interactive, and they get to talk with each other uh, about well you know, what, what is this word? Or, well, what does that look like? Or, well, what is that? You know, and, and so it's a chance to talk about uh, different things too, and um, helps with sight words. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I have a teaching certification, and uh, Shannon's a teacher. Um, and so I think it just kind of comes naturally to us to set things up that way. It's very funny because here you are, for one thing, I just love because you're like, I connect people with books. I mean, that shows the librarian <laughs> in you. you know? And then you talk about sight words and the, and, and, um, 
interpreting the words and 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 using that skill and it's just so funny because I just thought of it as hey here's this great thing that's keeping kids busy while parents are checking their books out <laughs> and you have this whole <laughs> educational component to it yes yes well you know I, it just it, it's 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 sort of in my blood you know well and so. with the even with your your book group the reading rebels like a lot of people would think a book group for fourth graders, you know, like how do you get kids to sit around and discuss a book, but you guys actually make it pretty interactive and fun for the kids that, and, and I mean, I just from watching the way your numbers have grown, it's obviously been very well received. Yeah, it's nice. It's, um, you know, we, we try and introduce the kids to uh, different authors, different genres, you know, sometimes different series and, uh, our goal is to just sort of get them excited about maybe trying a, you know, maybe they've been mystery fans, but they've never tried reading a fantasy fiction or, you know, or vice versa. And, or maybe they've never, you know, read a book by Roald Dahl, but then they, they get a chance to try one. And then they're really excited about reading other books by that author. So it's, um, so it's, yeah, it, I, I think that they enjoy the variety and also we pair it with, you know, activities. So we usually have, you know, a discussion about the book that we've just finished reading for the month. Um, but then we have an activity that they do that is related to the next book that they're going to read, but we don't tell them what the connection is. They have to figure it out. So they kind of like the mystery of that, like, oh, well, okay, so, so this was a kindness project. So, so that must mean that uh, is kindness a theme in the next book, you know, so then they have to kind of figure it out. So that kind of keeps them guessing too, they, which they like. So when so. you were coming up with the idea for the, I mean, cause you, you were a teacher, are you, yep. you have your teacher certification, you used to teach. Yep. I think that that age group, it's a, it's a poignant age because mm -hmm. you've, you've passed the, we're learning how to read the excitement of that. And it's almost getting them over that bridge into discovery. Yep. Um, is that kind of one of the reasons why you wanted to focus on, I mean, is that, I guess, is that your experience working with that age group in the past? Yeah, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a crucial age because they are reaching the end of elementary and they're they're getting ready to foray into middle school and you know middle school is a time when it's more difficult for kids to continue their their interest in independent reading just because of the way the school program is structured and so if you can if you can harness that you know that interest right now and sort of cultivate it then they they can take that with them into middle school and and hopefully continue a love of reading and you know and and continue to pick up in you know books that they want to read <laughs> so um in addition to whatever it is that they're that they're reading for their school curriculum so you mentioned you know your teaching background but you yeah. also have a pretty diverse background of other things and then what kind of led you into to join us at the library. Yeah, well, um, I was an English major in undergrad, um, and then I went to, I worked in video production, and then I worked in meeting management. I got a master's in human services administration while I was doing those things. 
Uh, and then I got my teaching certification. I taught fifth grade and discovered that I was spending all my free time in the library. <laughs> and I kept pairing with the librarian for projects. And she said, I think you should really <laughs> pursue your master's in library science. And I said, I think you're right. Um, and so I, I did that. And, um, and then I ended up working in school library for about 10 years. And um, then things, <laughs> things got crazy during the pandemic. And so I moved over into public library and here I am at the Hopewell branch and I I love it it's it's uh it's different you know than my school library experience I was only one of two in the school library and so um I it's fun working with a bigger team um and I it's also fun getting to work with um a real diverse group of patrons but yeah I bring you know I bring my experience from other you know other jobs and um to this and so and I and I really really appreciate that Hopewell Branch encourages that and that they they allow me to you know share skills and things that I've developed over the years so well, just being able to work with you, I know that we are so lucky to have you at the branch and what you have brought to the overall services and resources to the branch. Um, you've just been nothing but an asset and it's just a joy to work with you. Thank you. Um, so thank you so much. And we've been talking with Kathy Merzena from the Hopewell branch. Kathy, again, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. My pleasure. Welcome back, everyone, to the next segment of Behind the Books, where we talk about some of the programs that we have coming up. Thanks so much to Kathy Merzena for taking the time to talk with us about what she does at Hopewell and some of her background and how she got into working at the library. And Anna, before you update us on some of the programs that we have coming up, I think we're about due for a reading challenge update. Because now that we're at the beginning of May, it means we're four months into the year. So we are a third of the way through. So if there were 25 books to read, we should be at about how many right now? I would say eight, at least eight, if you wanna if you wanna space out your reading. All right, well, I am now at, you might not believe this, 13. You're such an overachiever. I just knocked two books off the list. One was a book that came out this year and I read City Under One Roof by, Irish Yamashita, who we had on the podcast a few episodes ago. And I knocked off the young adult category with a book called The Agathas. And interestingly, I came upon that book because it was one of the book faces for the Mercer County Library on our Instagram account. So we had a book face on it. And then I read a little bit about what it was like. And I decided to check the book out and read it. So that was a true, I should get bonus points for that. Because not only did I read it for the challenge, but I got the idea from our Instagram account. That's pretty nice. It, it's funny because I, I, with the book clubs that I do, um, I've been able to so far incorporate my reading into the book clubs. For example, one of the books is supposed to be on nature. 
or science. And uh, I read The History of Bees, which uh, is by Maya Lund. And so that was really good. So I'm probably at eight books. So my eighth book is actually one of the challenges is uh, a color has to be in the title of the book. And there's an online program that we have. It meets the first Wednesday of every month. It's a virtual program. And it's adults read young adult literature too, which I love because I do like young adult literature. And we're discussing tonight, uh, Blackbird Blue Road by Sophia Pasternak. So that's going to cover my my uh, color. It's a color in the title. That would be remiss if I didn't also update everyone on the, the family contest because everyone knows how well I do. So I'm at 13. My son, I believe, last I checked in was... 21. Oh, so he's close. And my wife is at 24. Oh my gosh. She only has one category to go. So if anyone has any suggestions for her on a book about health, fitness, or self-help, they can contact us and let us know what she might want to read because that's the one category she still has left. So Anna, we encourage everyone to continue with the reading challenge. If you go to our website, you can see what all the categories are. And uh, I will tell you, it's been a lot of fun to try to knock off each category and still have, I'm a, I'm just past halfway. So I'm looking forward to the second half of the challenge. And then also we have uh, some interesting com things coming up at the library this month, correct? I do want to talk about a couple programs, but also we will link to the reading challenge in our show notes so people can easily access that list and keep track of their reading as well. One of the programs that I wanted to talk about, this is a virtual program uh, where people will need to register to get a link to attend it online. And this is actually for adults and teenagers. So it's it spans uh, age demographics. And this is kind of along for Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, on Tuesday, May 9th at seven in the evening, we're going to have a program, Discover Bullet Journaling. And the interesting thing about bullet journaling is that it has been shown to enhance well-being and calm anxiety in a creative way. So we encourage people to sign up for that event to discover bullet journaling, which takes place on May 9th at 7 in the evening. May is also Jewish American Heritage Month, and we have the good fortune of having an author, Arthur Finkel, speaking with us on Wednesday, May 10th at seven in the evening. Um, Arthur is the author of Trenton's Jews, Beginning Adaptation and Achieving the American Dream. And again, that's going to be on Wednesday, May 10th at seven in the evening. And that is a virtual program where you can sign up to watch it on our online platform. May is such a busy month because we have mental health awareness happening. We have Jewish American Heritage Month happening. Um, it's Asian American and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So it really is, even though we're constantly including um, diverse reads and diverse authors in our collections and our displays and our programming, I do want to make sure people know that branches are taking this opportunity to really highlight their collections through programs, et cetera. And again, we want to remind everyone that they can always take a look at our website to see what's going on at their local branch. There's always something going on. The next thing going on on our podcast, Anna, will be our interview with Lisa Scottolini, and we'll be right back to, to chat with her in a moment.
Lisa Scottolini is the number one best-selling and editor. You're damn of- right she is, baby. <laughs> <laughs> And Edgar Award-winning author of 35 novels, a former president of Mystery Writers of America. She has 30 million copies of her books in print and has been published in 35 countries. Her books have been optioned for film and TV, and she has also co-authored a series of humorous memoirs with her daughter, novelist Francesca Saratella. A former lawyer... Scottolini taught a course she developed, Justice and Fiction, at the University of Pennsylvania Law School, her alma mater. She lives on a farm outside of Philadelphia with an array of disobedient pets. Lisa, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. What an amazing introduction. Thank you so much, Anna. <laughs> I'm just going to forewarn everybody. There's going to be a lot of laughing on this. On this yes, uh, join us, interview. folks. <laughs> So your new book, Loyalty, just came out in March, uh, at the end of March, which is a historical fiction book. Um, and it's kind of interesting. It's set during the rise of the mafia in Sicily. But do you want to talk a little bit more about the the book? Well, I like to think of it as an epic. I know that sounds crazy, but I've written domestic thrillers for most of my life, like you say, 35 books. And as I got older... You know, you realize you're not getting younger, number one. And then secretly, I'd always love historical fiction. And I've always loved books about what I'm kind of writing is always books about like family and love and justice. And I don't plan it that way. That sounds like formulaic, but it just comes out what comes out of you. Because I don't write with an outline, which is you could have guessed in the first three minutes of this interview. <laughs> so then I'm like, huh, I kind of want to understand what gave rise, what, what causes crime? Like what causes crime? And the, a good example and an obvious one is the mafia. What caused the mafia? Why did the mafia grow up in Sicily and, and why in the 1800s? And quickly, just to say that I'm Italian American. I'm very proud of being American. And I think that I come, but I come from an immigrant family and it's thanks to public libraries and public school that I get to be on a Zoom with you today in front of my, these are only my signed books from people who I admire. So I guess what I'm saying, I'm also proud of the Italian part. And I think a little bit, I wanted to answer the question, what is it about Sicily that gave rise to such criminality? And so I went, I said, well, that sounds good. (laughs) This is not an impressive interview, but I basically (laughs) went there and I said, okay, figure it out. Studied a lot, learned a lot, read, and toured Sicily at a really street level. And also ate a lot of carbohydrates, which I did. There's so much food in this in, in this book. I'm like, Lisa, when did you start with like it's a menu, not a book? But then I was like, no, I but it's but part of it is you want to you want to in historical fiction in particular, you want to transport people away. You have to change the setting and the time so that actually even the voice that you write it in is different. I write I write contemporary domestic thrillers. I can't write it like I, like that. People don't say yeah right in the 1800s. They talk differently, right? Everything's different. The food's different. The clothes are different. You can't spend a lot of time on that, but you have to know enough, and you have to have seen it. And to go to Sicily and see it with your eyes, uh, I filmed it all. By the way, I should mention it's on my website. I took 22 videos of actual locations in the book. And in the, on the website also, we made an interactive map. So if you're reading the book, you can go, where's chapter three take place? And you can see the pictures I took and the videos as well. So in a way, I like it because I find that, you know this, um, being, being so steep in book culture, 
and more and more what I love about us is we we like information as we read and hear things more and more. Like sometimes I find myself on watch TV and I'll look up who that actor is. I go, did I see that guy before? Like you can't, I used to not care. Now I'm, right, I'm researching everything. I'm yelping before I get an entree in a restaurant. Did they like, you know, the ziti? It's crazy. But the bottom line is I think we're all like that now. And I thought, well, give people information as an option if they want it. And certainly in the back of the book, the book is fiction, but there are real life characters that I learned about in Sicily and couldn't even believe. So I made the distinction in the author's note about what's fact and what's fiction so people would know it. And I think you end up learning an awful lot about Sicily and the, the law and justice and love and family in this novel. So you went over with the idea, this is what you want to look at. I want to look at the, this kind of the origins of crime with the mafia. Right, right. But then like there's this whole other aspect to it with the mental health institutions. Is that something that you knew that you was going to be in the story or was, did it just kind of appear while you were over there and deep in your research? I read something about it when I was here and I, I cause I found online a, um, an 1835 book called by a guy named Baron Pisani, who was a real life person who just basically, he lost his teenage child and was so at, had melancholia as it was called then and basically got himself out of it by playing music and the arts and reading and he decided now you can imagine the 1800s in sicily which was at the time poverty stricken there was starvation their illiteracy rates were high the first chapter in this book is a boy is kidnapped and he's taken to a madhouse and so i go well, you got to go see the madhouse and I, you can in palermo it's all i went there it's in ruins and basically in those days the madhouse then you would get chained to a wall in the same institution that held lepers tubercular people syphilitic people i mean you can imagine the horror that was mental illness treatment then and baron pisani changed all that and i won't give away too much in the book but i didn't know that and i thought oh that's so fascinating the other thing i discovered right away when i went to sicily was the um the beati pali that there so let's say you're gonna have a mafia character because i knew i'd have that and i knew he would be handsome because why not you can imagine a guy you don't gotta imagine ugly guy you can imagine like Brad <laughs> absolutely <Cooper being> a <laughs> mafia. Well, I, i'm single what can i tell you so in any event i go there and then i see oh it turns out there's this incredible real life organization of aristocrats that do good because sadly, Palermo law was so corrupt and the cops were so corrupt because they were all in the pockets of the noblemen. You can't imagine the level of inequality there was then, you know? And so there was this group of guys who basically just believed in St. Paul and were dedicated to fighting for the common good. They were aristocrats and they basically try to find out what's going on with this kidnapped boy. So right away I had a bad guy and a good guy. And then I was like, huh, I started to travel more around. I saw a fishing village. I said, well, you can't leave that out. This is like when I go to the food store and I think I'm going in for like pita chips and I come out with hummus and apples and carrots. <laughs> That's what it was like. I went shopping in Sicily and it was a big mistake. <laughs> And then so I went to a fishing village. I thought, oh, you can't leave that out. It's Sicily. Their whole life is fishing. Well, then put a single mother in a fishing village. And then I learned about the Spanish Inquisition, which, believe it or not, even today, after it expelled Jews from the island, 40,000 Jews were expelled from the island of Sicily. Sicily still has almost no Jews. And I said, that's horrifying that, that the Spanish Inquisition, of all things, accomplished what the Nazis could not. I said, well, you got it right about that. So I said, well, we'll have a guy in a cave 
because what happened is Jews practice their religion in secret and he is one such and he believes he is the last Jew in Sicily and he might be right. So loyalty ends up being about these four characters, a mafia, a guy who will be the first mafiosi, mafioso, a guy who's going to fight him, a lawyer who's going to fight for the common good, a single mom in a fishing village who finds herself expelled from a fishing village, and a guy who's the last Jew in Sicily. And their stories are going to come together and they are going to tell this incredible big story that's an epic with action and adventure and love and death. And like, this is what you say to yourself. And you go, okay, now you have to go home and make that happen. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> This is my writing process. Are you impressed yet? Very much so. Very much. <laughs> well, and one of the one of the great things about your books too is that you always have like these uh, supporting characters who are who are quirky and and kind of interesting. And so in this book, it seems like from what you've been saying, you were able to really build on that, right? Like you found these people, and it's like, all right, they're you know they're not necessarily supporting characters, but you were able to really develop them and turn them into the kind of characters you like to write about. No, thank you for saying that. It's really true. And there's no substitute. I'm very lucky. It was, I've been locked down in COVID, but when I had, there was a window between variants and I said, you have to go. So I just, I just go there. I'm a lady with a pad. I walk around, I talk to people. I did arrange some meetings with historians who knew things that, that confirmed what I thought as, as well. But, you know, for example, there's minor characters in this book. Like there's a woman uh, who's a housekeeper because I also want to examine women. You know, the role of women then, can you imagine how oppressive it is for men? Men are oppressed, women are chattel. They're not even allowed out unaccompanied. They are basically kind of like married off for power and money and all that stuff. And their lives are so interior. It's weird because I was there on a, one of the Sundays I was there. Now this is a Sunday in modern day, uh, Bagaria, which is right outside of Palermo. There were no women on the street. This was one, I filmed it. You can see the film. I didn't make it up. I'm like, what is going on? This is modern day Sicily. All the women are home cooking. Now, obviously they're not chattel like they used to be, but there are mores that still persist and they're home making the dinner and all the men are out socializing. I was the only woman on the street. Normally that would be a great situation, but this time it wasn't. <laughs> it was like, so anyway, but I, so I have, there's, I think the single mother in this book is very resonant for me because I am one. And I wanted to sort of explore that inner strength that I think a lot of women find in themselves. And I think people find in themselves. And also minor characters, like you say, Bob, um, there's a little old lady who's a housekeeper and she ends up being, I won't give anything away, but very pivotal in this book. Because huh. I think when women don't have power that's external or uh, granted by law, they find it. And they have power in families and they always have had power. We always have had power in families and with husbands and with kids. And we try, right? We don't shut up after a while. We're like, you should do this, you should do that. And there's a little of that in these women. So I wanted to explore that world as well. So it's it's just interesting talking with you. You're so gregarious. And I think of writing as being a very isolating experience. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it is. So, I mean, is that, do you think that's like manifesting in your characters because you're obviously social i mean i mean you're oh, you're on the, you're on the streets of sicily and you're you know you got a pad of paper and you're out there interviewing oh yeah people, i know, you know no one gets well, I, can, I, can talk, I can talk to a parking meter that my friend told me that once. <laughs> i i just love people so i'm not well suited to being in my house alone all day but i have dogs and they're very interested in what i have to say <laughs> no what i mean like that does happen that's a weird part of this job but honestly I love books so much. Look at you. We love books. 
I mean, I, you can't see this, but I'm in front of my, these are only my signed, these are signed books. I collect them. So you, there's books all over my house. And so I don't think it gets better than this. I feel I'm a count your blessings person. I wake up every day. I can't even believe how lucky I am. So, you know, yeah. So you do it alone. Okay. I got to tell you too, with a book like this, especially you do so much research and then you go, well, you can't write nonfiction. I mean, you don't want to anyway, you want to tell some stories. So you're going to have, uh, you've got to invent a story and I basically do it by in terms of writing process. Okay. Here's this opening boy gets kidnapped. What happens next? Kidnapper gets away. What happens next? So every day you have to see, well, where does that kidnapper go? And every day you're going to write what happens next. I do 2000 words a day. Now that can take till six o'clock at night or it can take to 11 o'clock at night. And I got to tell you, I realized it the other day, if it's interesting, it might not be, but I said to myself, what's kind of good about it is you're in the middle of something. All I said, why do I, why don't I like interruptions? And it's because I'm in the middle of something. You, everybody knows that feeling. You're thinking about something, you're reading it, whatever the thing is. I am in the middle of something. Now, when you're in the middle of something for 365 days a year, <laughs> you know, it's okay to live alone. Like the, you, you have to work out what they did. I'm never happier than when I get a first draft done. Cause then I know I have a story that ends. Hemingway said, a write drunk, edit sober. And I like that because I don't do that. But what he means is get the story down and then get the story good. So every day, yeah, I'm alone. But I'm thinking about this story and a lot of times it may happen to you too. And, or anyone who's listening, I encourage them to write. But you know, you think, I don't know what this character would do. I'm stuck. I should have had an outline. Lisa, you're so dumb. And then you, uh, right? That's when you go take a shower. You go, that's what they would do. And it comes to you. Yeah. And you can't, it doesn't bear interruption, honestly. It doesn't benefit from it. People say to me, can we meet for lunch? I go, no. When are you available? I'm not. I don't know what to tell you. I can't meet for lunch. There's no lunches. <laughs> well, Lisa, whatever you are doing, it is working. I just love the characters Aww. that you're bringing to the readers. So, and we do want to encourage our listeners to um, check out your book, Loyalty, which came out in March uh, earlier this year. Uh, we can't keep it on the shelves at the library, so I know it's oh, already a big hit. So happy. I was so happy. I saw the week it came out. I was on top number one in holds. It's awesome. Oh. Absolutely wonderful. I'm just so honored by that. And thank you for your support. My God. Well, thank you for talking with, with us today. It's been absolutely a blast. Oh, no, we have to go already. I love you guys. All right. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, as we wrap up this episode of Behind the Books. Thanks so much to Lisa Scottolini for bringing her energy and enthusiasm to our podcast. Anna, that was a lot of fun talking to her. The thing about it was when we started talking to her, we went into it on a time limit. But I felt like we probably could have talked to her for a couple hours. And she was just great to talk to. And uh, the book, the new book, Loyalty, sounds very intriguing as well. I get nervous before we talk to any of our authors. Bob can attest to this. I'm usually a nervous wreck before we start chatting. And I was pretty nervous to talk with Lisa. And she was just so welcoming and just was just joking with us from the get-go. It just seemed like we were talking with an old friend. Like it was kind of chatting about her writing and 
uh, her process and really her idea for loyalty, which I thought was just fascinating. It looks like, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a grabber from the get-go. I'm just going to let you, everybody know that when you start reading it, it's going to be difficult to put it down. And the funny thing too, is you would think, all right, when these, when people write their various books, fiction books, you know, how much research goes in, but she put a, she spent a lot of time. She went to Sicily, she wandered the streets, she talked to everybody that she saw. So she put a lot of time and effort into to getting that book together. And, Absolutely. Uh, as as all of our authors do, but she, she really uh, went the extra mile. And then speaking with Kathy, you know, you and I get to work with her at the branch a lot, and she comes to work every day ready to go. And uh, hopefully people took that out of her interview that she's she's ready to go and do whatever is needed every every time she shows up at the branch. Well, and I think she has come in and she has seen um... – what she can contribute. I mean, yes, she is helping at the circulation desk and she is nothing but a positive presence when she is helping patrons at the circulation desk, but she's just extended that to, to reaching um, patrons of all ages with the programs passive and in person that she is now involved with. Well, Anna, another fun episode. I enjoyed getting to talk to both people. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed them as well. Once again, we want to thank Lisa Scottolini as well as Kathy Merzena for taking time to talk with us. And Bob, I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narasek. Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoy.